0: Atheist Nomads, episode 231, Accelerated Christian Education with Alexis Record.
1: The podcast you're about to listen to includes cursing and talking about hoo-hahs. Please be advised.
0: Welcome to another episode of Atheist Nomads. I am Dustin, and Lauren and I are still on parental leave. This interview is recorded on November 17 and is being released uh, today. We will be back in January with fresh news episodes, getting back to the normal routine for the release on January 9. So look forward to that. And if you want some updates on the baby, uh, go ahead and feel free to take a look at the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist Nomads. And now, after a quick message from our sponsors, we'll have the interview. Atheist Nomads is proudly brought to you by Archway Hosting. Check out their low-price, full-featured hosting solutions at archwayhosting.com. That's A-R-C-H-W-A-Y hosting.com. We're also brought to you by listeners just like you. You can find out how you can become a patron at patreon.com slash atheist nomads. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash atheist nomads. And joining me now is Alexis Record. She lives in San Diego, has two special needs children, writes to uh for for multiple blogs and is on the board of the San Diego Sunday Assembly. Alexis, welcome to Atheist Nomads.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, so, let's uh let's start off with um well actually you came highly highly recommended by Karen Garst. Uh, uh enough so that she did a email introduction.
1: Yes, I'm I'm still hoping she will adopt me. It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> 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 yes, I'm. I'm one of her authors. She's um, in for her blog, and so I'm in. I wasn't in her first book, but I contributed the third chapter to her upcoming book next year, "The Women Be Religion."
0: Okay, so with with your story, because um, you've got a, a interesting thing of uh, you were educated through the infamous. Uh, accelerated christian education
1: yes infamous is the perfect word yes ace uh from i entered ace in i was a second grader i had been through two weeks of second grade but i was put in the school in the preschool learning to read program and i think it was like a dual reason partly because they thought I should just start over. Like my education was a wash. It was in a public school up to that point, kindergarten and first grade. And partly they thought if a curriculum is inundated with enough God talk and Bible verses, I would be smarter. So I went, I had to catch up to my grade level. And then I was in that curriculum. Oh God, till I graduated high school, I'm using quote. Air quotations at graduated <laughs> and high school, um, because it was—it's a, a horrible education. It's failed every academic study ever done, even the ones headed by religious folk. Um, and it's—it's it's terrible. Like some of the the science stuff is like just outright lies. But some of the English, like the way they teach grammar, is not really backed by educational standards and I, it's it, it's pretty horrible so it is i'm thankful that i can talk the english goodness and uh, <laughs> and i'm hoping i i was talking about maybe taking like a chemistry class in at my local college just because i've never learned chemistry in my life mm-hmm. and i've never no, there's like big giant gaps in my education that i could kind of skim over which is what happens when you do 11 years in accelerated christian education and then you transfer to san diego christian college and graduate with an interdisciplinary major in psychology and biblical studies and i did the biblical studies because that's like what i knew Mm -hmm. i could breeze through those classes they were super easy and then psychology I actually learned some some good nuggets, but I had to take a uh, a courtship, marriage, and family class where I learned that I was a secondary citizen and should submit to my husband. So it's not like oh, it's not wow. like all the psychology courses were backed by like you know science or it's just mostly backed by the one book right. that they all okay. liked. Yeah, and I had took a creationism wow. class there. So so yeah, I'm. I am the stupidest person you've probably had on this show, even though I graduated <laughs> valedictorian of my college.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so one of the things that's worth, um that I think would be kind of fun to explore, because I went through Adventist education, uh, mm-hmm. went to, to Adventist schools from third grade on, and there definitely seems to be kind of a hierarchy in, in how bullshit is it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just like the, the quality of the of education you get with, uh, you know, on one end you've got the um, ridiculous East Coast super expensive private schools that are amazing and wonderful in every possible way, then you have your public schools and then you have real private schools. The normal private schools, which start out right. crappy and move all the way down to shitty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's a worse problem or it could be in the U.S because Accelerated Christian Education was, uh, came out of Texas and, and there was no oversight. Like in the UK, they have offset, you know, at least going into these schools and like looking them over and passing them too easily and not really being critical. But at least there was something. Uh, no, no one ever came to our school and said, you know, are you, are you beating the children a lot? Should you be beating the children a mm. lot? Do they know what you know? Are they up to peer level in social studies? You know, right? I was like one of those kids on the videos where they say, you know, what's five times four, and the, the girl doesn't know it, but they say, how did the world start? And oh, God created light. I was that kid.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, and you know, and I went to Avenue schools where the main po- focus of it is to uh, prepare people to go to college so they can become doctors or missionaries, mm-hmm. but either way, well-educated doctors or, or missionaries. And so you, there was that benefit, but there was also the fact that it was an organ. Oregon has one of the strictest, some of the strictest educational standards in that you have to follow the standards, period. Right. High school, we had to use the official state sanctioned biology textbook, even though the teacher skipped the chapter on evolution. There was no yeah. choice. We had to use that book. And we had to do annual uh, standardized testing to demonstrate that we were actually progressing and we're learning. And if we weren't doing well in those, the uh, local school district would have been able to shut us down.
1: Wow. Go Oregon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Homeschool students also would have to come in and go through uh, the standardized testing. So we'd have Adventist homeschool students coming in Um, to the school to do the testing so they could demonstrate to the the school district that they should still qualify to be homeschooled, that they are actually learning.
1: So I, so I do have some, once um, I hit high school age, ninth grade, my local church where we're doing ACE out of kind of imploded. There was a scandal and some rumors and the church kind of shut down and the students kind of scattered so, um, I did my high school years at home and what I mean by that, I had never had none of the, there's no teachers in AC, there's supervisors, um, and oh. the supervisor is not, doesn't have, like our, our supervisor, um, had a high school education. She was married at 16 and so I don't remember if she finished high school, but she I think maybe she took her GED. I'm talking about my mom. I should know this. But, like, (laughs) my mom was the supervisor. She'd never been inside a college classroom. She didn't, you know, she got married when she was a junior in high school. And and she just was a wonderful person. But going through school with no teacher who knew, Mm -hmm. you know, algebra or knew um, any of the subjects... Uh, it's not a hindrance. It's not seen as a hindrance. In fact, I saw recently an ad out for an ACE uh, supervisor, and it said it was uh, advertising how to get staff to come on board. And it said something like, don't pick the ones with an education. That's a deterrent. Like maybe a Bible degree is OK. Like they don't want anyone that's real like an education major or someone with their credential is not. A supervisor, not supervisor material. A supervisor is just supposed to be there to, like, uh, support the rules of the system and make sure you're turning in your tests and grading correctly. But so I never had a teacher. And then going wow. home, I still didn't have a teacher. I still had my mom, but she still wasn't you know didn't know the subject material of course none of the paces which is the packets of accelerated christian education um they weren't written by anyone an expert in those fields like so they'll say english or science but they're not written by you know it's really tricky to find out who writes these things because you you, we assume pastors do right but Mm -hmm. they're really secretive they don't they don't put their books in libraries. They don't let students keep them. Um, so it's hard to, to it's hard to nail their feet to the floor and get answers. But well, and even if you anyway, assume so, pastors,
0: pastors tend to be well educated, and right, that and wouldn't so, seem like, to fit the, with this.
1: Well, I don't know. Fundamentalist pastors, in my experience,
0: oh, yeah. well,
1: fundamentalists, in my experience, like we were really discouraged from ha- having an education. Well, and we girls were very discouraged from having an education. Like I was told by my pastor that an education would bring debt into my marriage, that it would be like make me less wanted as a, a wife. And that's the only thing my AC education was preparing me for was to be they they really wanted you to be like the wife of a missionary or politician. But there never is there a woman portrayed as anything more than a wife and mother. So that's all I was really prepared for. So my, so my homeschool uh, situation was an hour in the morning, filling out some pages in a workbook. None of the books requ- require you to remember any of the information to move ahead or to, like, grasp what you're learning to move to the next one. There's no, like, cumulative effect. Like, I got to college mm. before I realized that 101 classes lead to 201 classes, and you had to, like, remember things. <laughs> so it was So I worked, like, an hour in the morning. Then I went to In-N-Out Burger and worked my shift. Then I went to softball practice. Then I went to bed. And then I'd get up in the morning and do a an half hour of schoolwork. That was my school day. Then I'd go to work. And so when I graduated, I had just filled out enough of the dumb paces that I could move on. But I could not keep up in conversations about literature because I never... Read any books except for like the Bible or Fox's Book of Martyrs. No one my age was talking about Fox's Book of Martyrs or Pilgrim's Progress or mm-hmm. you know James. They were talking about high school stuff. So, like, I read my first Shakespeare play in college and 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 just loved it. Learned for the first time. Oh, oh I love learning. I really love learning. I was at little community college and I just soaked it all up. I I sat down at a real desk and I heard a lecture for the first time, and I just had eyes as big as dinner plates, and I just sat in the front row, and then I realized other people were taking notes, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'd never taken a note before, I'd never heard a lecture, I'd never really learned about history that wasn't like just inundated with scriptural references, um, which no one was impressed with all the Bible I'd memorized, and because they really pushed Bible memory. I had memorized six entire books of the Bible by the time I was 12, and then another thousand or so verses after that.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: so, it, but that's all I could do. I, I was a one-trick pony. And and then I found a nice Christian college, and I could put all that wonderful information to any use, and, and, and now I am fully prepared to benefit my church community. <laughs> uh-huh. At least a Sunday assembly took me, so <laughs> I could do some good
0: So how did you escape that?
1: um the internet mostly i um I was still pretty strong believer until I was twenty nine thirty I know at thirty i was I looked up um the definition of atheist online and found i think. I can't remember for sure, but I think it was David McGaffey's book, Mom, Dad, I'm an Atheist, that had like a definition of atheism. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, this this applies to me. And I was just like kind of horrified by it. Like, oh, no, because I'd been told atheists hate God. And I was like, well, I'm not that. um, So I could avoid the A word. And then I think I, I came to my husband in just the weaseliest way possible and was just like, I think I have heavy doubts and, uh, and I think he saw through that a bit and, and he was like, okay, you know, he's been super awesome about it. Oh, you're an atheist. He's still a Christian, uh, still an evangelical Christian. Um, and was a, a just an amazing, like supportive. He got to see my whole journey and kind of be there and, and he's really cool. And like, he is my human credential. Like, my human reference <laughs> someone's <laughs> like oh you're just an angry atheist I can be like you know let me try out this this handsome fella and <laughs> like look I look we can get along <laughs> we can sing kumbaya and hold hands because I've got I'm like that person probably with the one black friend like I'm not racist um <laughs> but hopefully hopefully more legit but yeah so so that was when my that in prayer failed me I prayed my way out of Christianity. Um, pretty, pretty much when I was 25, I had my daughter and, uh, and she was born with arthrogryposis multiplex congenita, which is, um, it comes with major deformities because all your joints um, have contractures. So you're all just mm. kind of, uh, yeah, you, you're kind of like, you're, you're, her like fingertips touched her forearms. They were so bent over. Her arms didn't bend like at the elbow. She didn't have elbow creases. I didn't realize those were created with movement. You don't mm. just have them there. So, like, she, she looks like these little, you know, like Christmas wrap. You know, it's just straight, these tubes. <laughs> That's what her arms look like. Oh, wow. And then her shoulders were inverted. She didn't have deltoid. She didn't have biceps. She didn't have quad muscle. Or she had a little quad. She didn't have any calf muscle. And, and with, you know, just a, a newborn baby that didn't move, didn't whip didn't kick um, and was completely pretzelled up and her legs were so pretzelled that they couldn't tell me her gender so like she's born it was a c-section because we knew something was up she was the Mm -hmm. wrong position and uh, we didn't know it was amc but we knew something was up and they pulled her out of me and i was like is it a boy or a girl because i didn't know ahead of time and the nurse was like i don't know but in this horrified voice and and they like they hold up a mirror for you when Mm -hmm. you're doing a C-section so you can see the baby and they like took it away and then they all huddled. (laughs) And I was like terrified. Um, And then they, they showed me my baby for like a second and then like left with her for five hours and then finally brought her back all swaddled up. So I couldn't see like, cause arthrogryposis is worse at birth and then you, you know, you can stretch those joints out and get a little more range of motion and have them in a better position But at birth, they're just like, like a paper that's been crumpled up Mm -hmm. in your hand. So they hit her in this swaddle and, and, uh, and it was hard to like unswaddle her for the first time, but, um, and it almost impossible to change diapers. Um, but she didn't have any like major concerns, just arms and legs that were very different. Hmm. And that was, I had always prayed. I'd prayed like every day, um, I was a pretty devout believer, but I prayed for this baby and prayed she would walk. Cause the day after she was born, um, doctor, the doctor came in and, you know, diagnosed her and told us it was rare. And we asked, will she ever walk? And he kind of looked at her legs. She's the the kind of, there's 400 types of arthrogryposis. She has, um, a myoplasia, which it, a no mya muscle plasia growth. So no muscle growth. And and she was a classic of myoplasia baby. And myoplasia kids in in his experience at the time just didn't walk. And we had five pediatric orthopedic doctors kind of tell us, just get her comfortable in a wheelchair. Um so like at the time he, he wasn't really encouraging. And we just balled and balled and prayed and prayed and prayed. And, um, and so I kept like prayer journals and I mean, it was like the first test of prayer. This is when I learned that, um, prayer never brought back amputees and she's not an amputee, but there's muscle that's not there. Mm -hmm. It'd be like, it's not her limb that's not there. But if you had ultrasound vision, you could look in there and see, you know, Oh, she's missing a bicep. So when a faith healer approached us when she was a baby and like, declared her fully healed, we laughed, Mm -hmm. and we were just like, oh. And that kind of got me thinking, no, if God never grows back limbs, he never grows back just whole systems that are missing. Like, if you're born without a kidney, you you wouldn't expect God to pop one in magically. And I realized people's prayers changed once they learned her diagnosis, and they changed more once they learned her, you know, progress. And they just kind of kept changing until they— they were, you know, uh, wishy-washy enough just to match the natural physics of things. They, they didn't change anything. And I was always a believer that prayer changed things, that intercessory prayer worked. And the biggest study ever done, the millions of dollars put into already, that question had already been asked and answered in the biggest study of its kind the year before she was born. But of course... I didn't really have an education, so I didn't look up that stuff.
0: <laughs> but
1: <laughs> I didn't even know where to begin. I didn't even know what about my education, like what was false, what was faith. Because faith and fact were just so mixed all the time. So finding out that intercessory prayer, not meditative prayer, that, that can cause good brainwaves, like good music can. But like intercessory prayer is bunk, right? It, it's mm-hmm. shown not to work in studies. It didn't work out in real life. Uh, I went back to my prayer journals, and they were just so normal and natural. Everything worked out the way it was going to work out. So prayer failed. So now I'm like, okay, I have to readjust my belief based on like evidence. So that was like, you know, that's the first domino. It's it's all going to fall after that. And then it it took a uh, a few years, and I tried a uh, I tried the um, emergent church, and I just wanted I just wanted a a happy, feel-good faith Mm -hmm. that encouraged me to do good stuff, but I wanted it based in reality, and that just seemed too much to ask of Christianity, at least based on the Bible, which I like to point out to very progressive Christians is the only charter document for Christianity, so it's not like relying on it was some giant, bizarre thing I did. (laughs) It's just (laughs) I took the Bible to its natural conclusions, and it failed.
0: Well, and. Fortunately, you took those failures as uh, obviously you weren't understanding how the world works as opposed to you weren't worthy of God helping you. Mm-hmm. So that's I, I, definitely glad that you, you went the right direction with that.
1: Yeah, I did feel like Satan was just test, like tricking me or God was testing me. But I really felt special. Like, you know, <laughs> it was. it's not that God doesn't care about me. Me who couldn't care about me—it's me. I learned all the Bible verses. Um, maybe I had a an inflated ego, which I did. I was very judgmental of people who didn't know the Bible like I knew it, or weren't Christians because they weren't convinced of the truth of Christianity. Or it's, it was very tribalistic, like us versus them. You you see a nice person, at, you know, the drive-through, and you assume they're a Christian. And then when, they're, when they say they're not, your view of them changes. That was me. So definitely shedding Christianity made me a better person. It made me more loving. I could help more people before that. My ministries couldn't help LGBT folks, couldn't help um, drug addicts that were choosing to sin. Like all that bullshit could just kind of... Now I could see people as like, oh, I could be more empathetic. And I don't know. I, I say it made me a better person. And I, and I get a resounding yes from like people in the, like the out of the box people, the former fundamentalists, my ACE survivor group, like all the people that have shed those really darker parts that I think are intuitive of the Christian faith. I think, I think they are um, very reasonable. To, be, to have that tribalistic feeling. I think that's mm-hmm. totally backed up by the Bible who is written by tribalistic people right. and have a tribalistic God. Um, and it's it's nice to shed all that.
0: What's interesting is you look at, at just like the general development is humanity has always just been expanding what's human by expanding who's your tribe. Mm-hmm. And religion has done a wonderful job of trying to keep that as narrow as possible.
1: Right, Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: After you finished ACE, did you go to community college first or San Diego Christian College first?
1: I went to community college, so I couldn't get into an, a real college because my test scores were abysmal. Like,
0: Because you hadn't gone to a real school.
1: I'd never been to a real school. Um, I'd never been encouraged to really study or go get a higher education. My mom wanted me to, and she had never gotten to go to college. Dad didn't go to college, so... They wanted me to. So I I kind of tried, but I went to like a college fair with booths and went to each one and kind of told them my history with my education and where I was at. And they all just went, don't even apply. So it wasn't just I went to community college, it was I had to go to community college. I also Mm -hmm. had to take remedial classes to get up to where the typical high school graduate was. So it was two additional years of college just so i can make up practically for my high school lack of high school.
0: Okay, so you're doing a lot of uh 90 level courses?
1: Yeah, whatever the there were some i had to take before they'd let me take like a basic course <laughs> that were <laughs> like sub sub like i'd never taken algebra and yeah, it is ridiculous. And actually i got to start college the same day as my mom. Oh, we both we both started the same day as little college community college freshmen. And we both had the same expression on our face, just this wide eyed wonder. This was, it was a satellite campus, this mini little miniscule campus (laughs) on El Dorado County. And we just felt like this was the whole world because we hadn't been out of our bubble and she was going to be a sign language interpreter and she was taking ASL classes. And, um, and I was just taking general ed and, you know, pre general ed (laughs) and, um, and yeah and that was that was a lot of fun that first year. She got better grades than I did, than my sister did. She she was naturally just very very smart and and she, you know, it was it was fun. That was my last year with her before she was killed. And and she she had just bought a brand new car the day before. She died in a car accident so she could commute to the bigger college not the satellite campus but the main one Mm. so she could continue her education and i think and people have told me people in my family who are still close with me um after coming out as an atheist have told me she just loved education she'd never really had access to education before and they were sure she would be just this free thinking you know she was just heading that direction and Mm -hmm. that makes me feel good even though it might be a lie. It might be just to make me feel better because sometimes I worry, like, would mom hate me now? Would she not be speaking to me like, like some members of my family? Would she be doing prayer circles behind my back like the rest of them? But maybe not. Maybe we'd both be blogging and she'd be blogging better than me. <laughs> uh. I'm still better <laughs> about that. <laughs> Her name was Joy. There's a Joy in a bunch of A. Age- AC schools around the country and internationally that just are that one bright light in an otherwise horrific education and horrific school system that just protect their students, stand between their students and the men in charge, which I saw my mom do over and over again. I mean, AC schools used to be way more abusive. They used to beat kids a lot more. Um, There's one handbook where like, the overwhelming majority of the student or the uh, teacher handbook manual was on how to do corporal punishment. It was like such an integral part of student relations. I think they've dialed that back a bit and they've come under fire, but, right, but yeah, she was yeah, the that's one protecting in most states. It. They still, I mean, it was a, it was a matter of honor. I don't know if you, there's a Johnny Scaramanga did a, his PhD thesis on, like a qualitative study on A.C.E., former A.C.E. students' experiences. And, and in the thesis, it talks about like these schools that took it as a badge of pride that they circumvented the rules about beating kids because the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Or the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he, you know, I think it's scourge. It scourges every son he receives. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Well, I'm so glad I don't have this at the tip of my brain anymore. I'm so glad my (laughs) brain is free to like know other things. (laughs) Uh,
0: The basic concept though would be uh, the paraphrase. um, God beats the shit out of those. He loves.
1: Yeah. Yes. And he burns the one he loves too. Like Mm -hmm. if you think about like every time it says like his followers were will be seasoned with or with like seasoned with salt, but it was like burn with fire or the testing of fire there's a bunch of references to fire I found when I was doing research for my um, my chapter in Women Be Religion, because my chapter's on indoctrination and just what that does to a child's brain. And does it create moral students, like this, this indoctrination into a religion? And the studies are, are pretty much like, no, no, not really. Um, in fact, some studies say kids that are indoctrinated into, and it was, Christian religion specifically was what I was interested in were less altruistic and more punitive and uh, less tolerant. Um, So, so there's, I don't know. And then their brains do different things um, that there was a positive correlation between religion in, and, um, and the lack of intelligence, like uh, this meta study, Mm -hmm. most of the studies showed this, this connection Um, And racism and sexism. Um, I, I learned a lot doing this, the research for this chapter, but the thing I was most interested in was just like, like the outcomes. What do we do now? We've been indoctrinated. And my answer was, well, the one thing we do is we don't indoctrinate anymore, any more generations. Like my kids need to be able to question what they're learning and, and talk back to teachers or supervisors. Um, And so I've kind of focused this, this part of my life, this chunk on raising kids that can think for themselves and are healthy, um, emotionally, especially my son who, uh, was adopted from a really, really bad orphanage where he was possibly drugged every night, just to keep him quiet with adult tranquilizers where he Mm. was exposed to lead that affected his brain, where he was um, abused. We are suspecting in every way you can be abused and neglected and starved. And so, and for two years mm. before we got him out, and just at this point, he's seven. He's been out of the orphanage longer than in it, and and we're just seeing that like slow build up to comfort and safety and being able to be, he, he seeks out hugs, which, you know, for the first year, that was pretty rocky. That that was, he didn't like to be touched. He hadn't been touched. He hadn't been held. And they say holding your newborn helps their brain grow. So his, he was like a newborn baby brain still. Um, he couldn't chew his food. He'd never had food to chew. He'd just been given bottles because he was, and children don't grow. They're not stimulated. So you mm-hmm. see these kids that are teenagers, but they're in cribs for toddlers because they're little. So he's, he's going to always be little. <laughs> he's going to be on the little side. But if, and he, if he can just like, ah, be secure in love, be supported, be able to question, be able to feel safe stuff that a lot of fundamentalist kids don't get.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then, and then, at least I've taken something horrible and turned it around and broken the cycle. And it was so easy. My daughter was like three when I forced her to accept Jesus into her heart. And we went over how to do that every night. Cause I was worried that, you know, she wouldn't have it down before something happened and she was going through scary surgeries. So something could happen. And, oh man, letting that go. I told the, uh, I told Wendy, who does the Women Beyond Believe podcast, I was like, the first surgery without having to worry about praying that God was teaching us something through these miseries was the best, most restful surgery experience we'd been through, because my kids have been through some surgeries. Arthur Arthrograposis comes with surgery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so (laughs) my daughter's had all four of her limbs cut and rotated, so she's a... She looks very different than when she was born, but oh, wow. those osteotomies <laughs> are nasty business. And she had an epidural fail. It's, yeah, mm. we've had an interesting life, yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least interesting in a way that's not abusive. Yeah, interesting yeah. In, a, in a way that's normal.
0: <laughs> you know, I, have a, a, us. I have a cousin who had a son who he had to get open heart surgery at six days old. Uh, Mm -hmm. at that time that was the youngest they'd ever done it, at least the type of surgery they did. And he was like, they thought he was going to die continuously. Um, he was, Mm. he spent most of his childhood on dialysis. He's in his late twenties now and doing relatively well. He's still small. He still has a hard time getting around. Um, he doesn't, he has a hard time, uh, pronouncing words correctly but he's a Mm -hmm. smart kid who loves life Hmm. and okay. He's he's a smart adult now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 20. That's still a kid. (laughs) Did he get a kidney or is he still on dialysis?
0: His kidneys recovered.
1: Oh wow. Wow. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. It was uh, at that point his, he was basically going through like his organs were all kind of going Mm. and the kidneys were just one of them. The, the ones that were the gotcha. most most critical at that moment uh but you know it's it's crazy when when having to watch that and i I was seeing it from from you know quite a bit of distance with that being my cousin's kid but with that if that's but that being your own that's that's tough
1: yeah it's i mean parenthood is tough, it's tough in general, especially at first, especially just when they kick you out of the hospital kicking and screaming and they won't like tell you what to do anymore. And you're just on your own. That's uh, that's something to look forward to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's see. By the time this episode goes up, uh, she'll be December 26. Um, that will be about three weeks after Lauren baby and I get, kick- get kicked out of the hospital.
1: <laughs> mm. So you'll know by then. Yep. <laughs> you'll be in the trenches of breastfeeding and, uh, sleepless nights and, Yep. I miss it. It's dumb. I miss it. I, I was a foster parent after my son's adoption, because I got him at two, but he was still kind of a baby. But I thought, man, I would love. You forget. It's it's really hard, and then you forget. And you're dumb. Humans are dumb, and they forget, and they see, oh, babies are cute. I want another one. So we became foster parents, and of course the, the first kid we got was like nine. <laughs> So like that, I never got the baby, I got the <laughs> nine-year-old and, and she came in a wheelchair. So we had three wheelchairs <laughs> and like w- when I would go out, people would like, strangers would pay for our meal. I had one lady like jump me in a target from behind. She was giving me a hug, but she didn't like ask or anything. She just kind of climbed on my back and I turned around like, you know, cause I can't I have one hand on one handle of one wheelchair, one hand on the handle of another wheelchair. And I'm wearing my, I think, five-year-old at the time, but he's tiny. And like, and so I can't really turn around. And she was just like, God bless you. God bless you. I had a lady hand me $5 and tell me God told her to give me $5. And I was like, thanks God. I'm buying some goldfish crackers. (laughs) But (laughs) that was we were a clown show when we had all three kids, and then two is, like, manageable. Yeah. But three was a little little clown show. Well, especially when the foster, my foster daughter and my biological daughter had serial casting at the same time, which is painful, but they stretch your arm and then they cast you.
0: Mm. And then
1: it's like a big stretch over a week or two. And then they saw it off and they stretch your arm. That's all now atrophied and hurty, And then they cast you. Um, and so I would, I'd have three kids in, we know all the casting techs, we know all the ortho dogs, <laughs> we know the, all their nurses, so we were like, yeah, if, if you can give a shout out to Rady Children's Hospital, and then of course we fly to Philadelphia to do the big surgeries, the like expert rare, rare ones, and that's our doctor, is Dr. Vambassa in on um, in Shriners in Philadelphia. I always feel like giving okay. shout outs to these hospitals. Because I would never like my kids would be little still little pretzel babies. Mm-hmm. They'd all be little pretzels still. If they were born a hundred years ago, I think the first osteotomies were about a hundred years ago, Ponsetti casting for usually for club feet, we use it for club wrists too. That was invented like sixty years ago? It's yeah. Dr. Ponsetti just passed away. Like that's that's crazy to me. We could have been born at a slightly different time and had a completely different lives.
0: Well, the crazy thing is, a hundred years ago, quarter to half of all babies would die.
1: Right, right, yeah. And the moms, like childbirth was—you uh-huh. signed your will first.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. it was. Yeah. The odds of of a woman dying in that a woman would die giving birth was very high. Right. Uh, not necessarily that it would happen the first time, but that at some point at the, the end of your life would be giving birth. Yeah, it happened all the time. Right. It was a it horrible, like, horrible time back then.
1: Martin Luther, didn't he say, was it Martin Luther? He's the he's the bad misogynist, but like the father of pro- <laughs> Protestants everywhere, it <laughs> was like, if a woman dies in childbirth, good, like that's what God made her to do. So yeah. It's done. And I, I guess epidurals were like, Doctors didn't want to give them to women at first because, like, pain and childbirth is part of the curse, ladies. Like, we can't circumvent God. <laughs> so, so, yes, I love medical science. That's, that's probably why, I mean, I prayed my way out of Christianity, and I got more and more mad at prayer not working. And also subverting medical science. Like, when you pray and you expect God or some, you know, ultimate... Uh, get around to like work all this stuff out. You are not being curious and asking the questions. And so, I mean, there are obviously medical, there are scientists out there that are believers. That's not what I'm saying, but but that that did that to me. That like numbed my curiosity. It numbed my search for answers. Like, and now I don't know. Now now I'm very thankful for all those godless scientists and all those and even those. Believer scientists that recognized they had to compartmentalize when it came to science. And mm-hmm. and now we have, you know, an artificial heart and there's going to be some head transplant going on pretty soon. Like, Yeah,
0: there's weird stuff happening.
1: <laughs> there's like my kidney, my left kidney is walking around in some guy in New York. <laughs> like that's Frankenstein weird. A hundred years ago, 200 years, not even a hundred years ago. Now that's like. Well, they can just take your kidney out and they can put it in someone, and then that person lives twenty more years. Yeah, like, that blows my mind. I love medical science. Oh, the it's one I, I still find—I
0: find the most amazing—is the the work they're doing with genetically modified immune cells to fight blood cancers. Mm. Where you're you're literally taking the th- the thing that is killing you, and you're turning it against the thing that is killing you to save you. <laughs> All with science. And that's just, it's just amazing. <laughs>
1: can you imagine like this scientist guy is like in his little lab and he's like, I know (laughs) let's let's throw some fire and and people are like, no, he's mad. Um, I don't, I think science is way more exciting to me. Who's never taken a chemistry class before in my life and was raised. My science books taught me God did it. So Mm -hmm. maybe science is more boring to people who actually know how it works. I bet. Probably (laughs)
0: I, I think there's this there's there's a happy middle ground where you know enough to be able to understand the the importance and the awesomeness of what's happening, but you don't know enough that you can see around the curtain.
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: that's probably like the 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 magic sweet spot of science <laughs> of of what is absolutely not magic, but better than magic, more yeah. magical than magic. Every,
1: everyone else does the like the. Lab- laborious you know petri dish style like for years and you just get the awesome like published results and isn't science great
0: right well and <laughs> not even just a published result but they they even write the the abstracts that are almost readable to normal people mm-hmm. and if you can't read that there are people who turn that into something that is actually readable to a, a, a normal non-scientist human
1: Right, yeah. Uh, of course, that's usually when they get the science all wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's on Huff Post. It says chocolate will kill you. Nope, nope. Now chocolate will make you live forever. And then you look at the actual science, and it's like, you know, we discovered some benign thing that has not that got rolled out of proportion. Yeah. And I did a I did a little article on. The, for Friendly Atheist published it on the study that came out that like church people live longer and all these like websites were like, you know, you want to be healthier, you want to live longer, go to church. And so I looked at the original study and, and it was like done on these, this very specific set of people that were older, they were nurses, they were, so
0: the Melinda.
1: <laughs> yeah, they were very, Very specific people. I'm like, that can't be, that can't apply to everyone unless everyone is an elderly nurse in this one place. But, um,
0: yeah. And and what's, what's fascinating with, with that is you have Adventists in, in that little pocket there are far more likely to be vegetarian than most Adventists. They are Hmm. far more likely to be vegan. They are also, far more likely to be wealthy
1: all avidness are wealthy vegans is what I'm, I'm hearing I'm gonna go write it on puff post <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh a, a, and you you combine that with the fact that they're in fucking southern California where the weather is perfect and amazing all the time all the time except for when it's too hot
1: <laughs> which too hot is like 80 degrees and too cold is like 65 <laughs> I'm in I'm in San Diego. It got to be like sixty seven degrees and we all got like our parkas out. It was ridiculous.
0: <laughs> but they, they they exercise a lot there. They they're all obsessed with health. Most of them oh, yeah. work in healthcare. The medical center there and the, the university medical center, it is one of the better uh, research facilities in the country. So there is lots of, of cutting edge medical uh, research happening there. Yeah. Of course they're a weird fluke.
1: <laughs> right uh yes
0: and that's not evidence that going to church will make you live longer that's evidence that being a vegetarian adventist in southern california working in the medical industry will make you live longer
1: right and i think the original study didn't even like it wasn't even trying to find out to live longer it just found this like statistical fluke and was like "Ooh, that's interesting or something like that it's it's been a while since i've written this piece
0: yeah, they found a group of people that lived ten years longer than the norm. And they were like, Why? Right, yeah. So they started looking into why.
1: Yeah. And it is interesting, like we've seen that there is a study on Sunday Assembly where um it, it does positive community help people be healthier. And Sunday Assembly is a baby compared to church. But but they are starting to find that, yeah, we're we're happy and healthy. We've got that community. So, huh, maybe Community support is a huge piece of the puzzle.
0: Huge piece of the puzzle, and also just what is it they're teaching outside of the official reason they're they're together? Sunday assembly? No, no. As
1: to to what
0: effects that can have, uh, because you take some groups. Um, I don't think there's very many outside of Adventists that have just a huge focus on on being healthy, and if you're getting. Mm force fed in this community everybody in this community you're a part of is being forced be uh force fed be healthy and do these healthy things and here's things you can do to be healthier it kind of makes sense that people are going to be
1: healthier yeah or like even just the basic like like basic christianity when you when you you know pull it when you have to cherry pick a little but be kind to one another or if you see someone stumble or you know those basic universal proverbs about you know helping people be kind to one another season your words with salt those like things that are going to have a positive Mm -hmm. impact on others even though you know and and when something's working i was reading about scientology some of the information they give you is based on psychology and it, it will work in your real life and you'll maybe start doing things a little better and then once it's working, you don't really ask yourself why is it working. Like you just kind of accept the why you're given. And I think that's with church. Why are you healthier? God. Maybe in Sunday assembly studies, kind of throwing a little question, throwing a little cold water on that fire. Like, no God here. No deities. No doctrine. No diggity do. I don't know. It's it's a big D theme. <laughs> <But> like <laughs> we, you know, there's no God at the Sunday assembly. There's no worship. There's no it's just community, it's just support. it's just loving people. It is also learning about science. it's also learning about um, social things. Like we'll have teachers come in on all fields and give talks. So it, it is like about living better. That's one of their main motto live better, help often wonder more. All right. So yeah and like helping other people does a ton for you. I mean it's it's something I, I had ministry positions in the church. And I couldn't really admit this because um, I had to just be super humble. But but actually helping other people, I I got a lot out of that. And now I'm the chair person of outreach, and so we do the harvest picking, picking crops for the food banks, and you know feeding the homeless on the streets, and doing the stand up for kids with homeless teenagers and LGBT youth, and. And we get a lot out of that. We don't have to pretend it's for God's service. So we don't have to, like, pretend we're doing it for some other reason. We can just say this is beneficial to us, too. And it's making us healthier.
0: Very cool. Uh, And with Sunday Assembly, when you have the the meetings, what are those like?
1: Um, They're like church. (laughs) Don't tell anyone I said that. (laughs) They're They're like church. And the first one I went to... It had an order of service. It started with a hymn, only instead of a hymn, it was Taylor Swift's Haters Gonna Hate, which was unusual. But our music guy, Paul Svinson, is just super adorable, and he threw that in there. And and there was, like, the guy standing in front of me, singing along, had a comb over. It was church! And except for our specific assembly doesn't pass the plate or anything. It just does. You get there you sing a song, the MC gives some announcements, you know, we, we do a life happens where people in our community share like a baby's born or a birthday or promotion, or someone died, we'll share that. And then, um, then we do help happens, which is my segment. And then I highlight something outreach is doing to better the community. Uh, then we have a speaker who's usually a scientist sometimes a college professor local college and then we do an mc address a moment of silence which weirded me out the first time and then we eat little like snacky cake food and drink coffee i mean how is this not church Um, i think sanderson even said like he goes to church to get ideas and brings them back
0: so it it sounds like you you
1: Yeah, but I've never been to UU. I've heard that there's more of a a, a spiritual aspect to that. There's like a, a deity involved, even if like it's very broad. And we have none of that.
0: For UU, it's, it's any or all or no, no gods. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of a, a, I guess, choose your own adventure of religion. Yeah, type and model. we
1: have UU people that come to us because we're only once a month. So we'll do the other one we even have like believers that go to church hmm. the other three weeks like my husband and then he'll come to Sunday assembly because we're not anti-church we're not anti-religion we're ju- our, our MC Stephen would say we're a vegan buffet like come eat some vegan food you know we're not gonna offer meat only in this case we're gonna offer all the good things but not God and if you you bring a ton of meat to the vegan food. We might ask you to leave. <laughs> it might be a little too much. Don't don't throw meat in our face. Just come enjoy the the like <laughs> common denominator we all have. The basic bedrock of of community. Yeah. And-
0: yeah. Okay. I, I do have to go on a tangent on the the or a little uh, yeah tangent. I'm gonna stick with that uh, on uh, the the whole <laughs> vegan thing and bringing meat to a vegan party. Um, my brother did that once. Uh, he was in a <laughs> he was in a band called Vegan Killing Machine, and they were doing a show uh, out of town, and got invited by people who went to the show to a party, and they show up and they brought meat, like they brought a, I think like brought a ham or something, and they show on up on
1: purpose or like they just didn't know
0: the tongue in cheek point of the name was <laughs> a killing machine to kill vegans not oh my a vegan goodness. doing the killing and they get there and everybody there is vegan
1: oh my goodness <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah And it wasn't a ham it, 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 it was uh, the only thing they brought was meat and beer
1: no just tell me but, it was yeah. a ham tell me it was an entire pig with like the <laughs> apple in the mouth is that time envisioning it <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh
0: yeah and also with the the MC, I can't help but but think of him as the uh, presiding elder.
1: Right. Yes. Even like I, it was weird for me joining the board, and there being so many women there. <laughs> Just <laughs> what women like run the programming and women do like. It was weird because I I have MC'd for Sunday Assembly twice, and I've and I've talked before like did, did the personal moment and um, and was part of the, this when Sunday assembly international, all the international people came to town and they put on a Sunday assembly in San Diego. I got to be part of that. Um, but every time I stand up there, I feel like all the ACE lessons come back. Like you're supposed to be submissive. All the ACE programming of women shouldn't talk. Women shouldn't be heard. Don't be too loud. Don't talk too long. I had one MC address where I just like, I'm supposed to talk for 20 minutes. It wasn't an MC address. It was, I was the main speaker and I was supposed to speak for 20 minutes and it felt like I'd been speaking forever. And I always do this. Like I'll get off the phone and go, Oh, I spoke too long. Or I'll, I'll hang up with you and be like, wow, I dominated that podcast because you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to speak more than men or on top of men or louder than men. And and that's still like deeply ingrained so so Sunday assembly is helping me okay. through some of that uh,
0: and, and but how many people do you usually have
1: um I feel like I want to say 200 but it's more probably closer to 150 regulars like okay we, we had a building change and location our locations now way more accessible and nice um, and more money but it's it's worth it because I have kids in wheel. Chairs and this place is really accessible.
0: Oh, nice. And I'm really
1: enjoying it. But anytime you have a venue change, it's, you know, people get lost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I want to say 150.
0: Do you have anything you want to plug?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, of course, my mind is a complete blank right now. And all I can think about is this giant ham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. Sunday assembly check. Uh, Arthur Groposis awareness check and check. Uh, Karen Gar's new book coming out next year, "Women v Religion." Chapter three, I hear, is really great. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's. A, I'm I'm good. I'm good.
0: Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for joining us.
1: <laughs> thank you for having
0: me. And for our listeners, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Thank you for listening to another episode of Atheist Nomads. You can find show notes and contact information at AtheistNomads.com. Follow us on Twitter at atheistnomads And like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Atheist Please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcaster of choice. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a review. The music is courtesy of Sturdy Fred. Until next time, this has been The Atheist Nomads.